Hi, I'm Harriet, a mental health professional and educator, and this is Dawn Breaks, the podcast all about finding hope and maybe also healing after reaching rock bottom. Today's episode is a really incredible story, but it comes with a bit of a warning that it might be a difficult listen for a couple of reasons. Firstly, today's guest Laura and I speak in detail about a really debilitating physical health experience, which at times led Laura to feel incredibly low and sometimes even suicidal. There is so much hope to be found in this amazing story, but if you are in a position where this might be triggering for you, potentially think about sitting down with someone you care about and giving yourself enough time that if you are triggered by some of the contents that you've got time to feel better and nurtured afterwards. Otherwise, come on a journey with us as we explore this story of recovery, both physically and mentally. Welcome to this week's episode of Dawn Breaks and I am so excited to welcome my lovely friend Laura on the show tonight. So welcome. Thank you for having me today. Oh you're welcome and let's start with how you are, how are things, how are you? Yeah okay I think probably like a lot of people um, ready to feel some kind of normality or maybe even more so concerned about this current state feeling like normality. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing and hugging my friends and just being around somebody that's not just my husband and toddler. (laughs) (laughs) As much as as I love them, as much as I love them dearly, I think we're all ready for some (laughs) fresh interaction now, definitely. But no, um, yeah it has it has yeah I think uh, I remember when this all kind of started kicking off last year and Simon my husband was getting quite worried about it and I thought this will be at least a year we'll be in this this time next year so I'm just quite glad we're at that year point now and hopefully hopefully life will resume to some kind of normality later in the year yeah let's hope yes like you say it does seem like it's been a long time and yeah I mean that was quite forward thinking to see it was going to be a year because it was yeah it's a big event I think no one really knew or understood how big it it was going to be the coronavirus it just has taken over a bit hasn't it but yeah yeah okay so you know a little bit about how the podcast works already um, Mm -hmm. but what I like to do is start in sort of chronological order so we go back to a time when you were feeling quite low and then we work our way forward to the things that supported you and helped you and then move forward to where you are now so I wonder if there is or I know there is but I'm hoping you can share with us a time when you were feeling very low or maybe a bit hopeless and sort of share with us a little bit about what that was like for you of course I think probably one of the hardest if not the hardest period of my life was suffering an iatrogenic condition called topical steroid withdrawal so I had suffered with eczema normal kind of skin condition eczema ever since I was a baby and like any good mother my mum took me to the doctors Mm. said my child's got eczema and I was prescribed steroid creams for my eczema which my mum started applying and following doctor's orders and this kind of began 
throughout my whole life, really. Having eczema, going back to the doctors, being prescribed different strengths, different brands, different makes of steroid creams for my eczema. And I used them for up to about 28 years of my life when I was away. I used to be a TV producer prior to the career that I have now. And I was away working in New York at the time. And I noticed that my skin on my neck was really starting to peel off. Mm. And I hadn't brought my creams with me. I packed in a rush mm. and I, I, I'd left them at home. And when I got back from work, my skin had really deteriorated. Anyway, Simon, my my then boyfriend and now husband, explained to his studio buddy what was going on at the time and said, oh, Laura's really suffering with her skin. Mm-hmm. And she said to him, have you heard of this condition called topical steroid withdrawal? It's actually where the skin has become addicted to right. topical steroids. Mm-hmm. And I... I hadn't heard of it and I knew Lauren had suffered she'd been really really poorly with it for about three months uh, that we knew and so I did some research and looked into it and realized that I actually had steroid induced eczema and the only way to heal my skin was to stop almost cold turkey from the steroid creams that I was using pretty regularly following kind of doctor's orders and mm. using them as I, as I was told to within about two weeks of ceasing use of the creams my skin just started to peel off my whole body became inflamed and swollen and I was shaking. My whole body was shaking endlessly. I felt the most ill I've ever felt in my life. I felt like I was on fire. I felt like I was trapped in this body and I was literally on fire and I itched and I burnt. And inside the most audible sound in my head continually was just pure screaming I felt like I was living inside this trap body and I didn't know how to break free and to get Mm. out of it and I didn't want to go back on the creams because my Mm. skin was so bad anyway Mm. that I believed I'd seen enough people that had gone through this and healed and got through the other side and here I am after Mm. six years later right now you know a positive story but there were times where during that point I suffered, and we'll probably go into it more, I'm sure, for, as I said, I'm into six years of withdrawal. But to feel any kind of relief from the pain I was suffering, I had to sit in the bathtub for about 20 hours a day. I couldn't sleep. I had such bad edema when my body was so swollen with fluids. I spent some some days in hospital. And my body was just shaking. And I just felt, I think a fellow sufferer said, it felt like I was dead and I was inside my body trapped whilst it decomposed and I think that kind of sums it up and I was really really low and for that first six months that I was suffering I yeah just really really struggled as anybody would mentally I'd gone from being 28 living the high life I was a tv producer I was here there and everywhere globally shooting these big budget commercials and ads you know I was living high life as you would say mm. and you know I was just loving and living my life I loved life such as success and thirst for life and almost overnight it got taken away from me I've always been fiercely fiercely independent and to have that taken away from me I had to move back into my mum's because mm. he had a bathtub she had to have care at hours at work just to, just to look after me and that was a time when it was probably one of the hardest times of my life really yeah, it sounds absolutely devastating. And I mean, I obviously knowing you knew some of the story, but I think you can't understand to the extent of how difficult and devastating that must be, because life just stopped for this to happen. Like you said, you were in New York when you first started feeling symptoms and all the things that you were doing and, and being someone who's really 
bubbly and has a zest for life and is independent to then be so the opposite I suppose because of what's happening it must have been really frightening for you yeah it really was like I said I think what was hard is it kind of came from nowhere and I had this defiant attitude there's a Facebook support group which was literally my rock I literally leaned on that group and spoke to people all over the world at all hours because one thing is our illness and condition is not known or recognized by the medical industry so I had no support had no support from the medical industry I was told that I was hanging on to something that I'd read on the internet and which is really hard to hear when you have seen other people suffering your exact same symptoms the exact same result of using topical steroid creams for too long Mm. and yet where you're being given the medication those that are giving you the medication when they're seeing the downfall of it and then going no we it's not a thing there are a few dermatologists globally I've actually flown out to Beverly Hills two years ago now to see one and just I I mean I was I was very much healed at the time I hadn't seen him but I was in LA and I thought you know I will make the trip because actually although I was healed I always just needed to hear somebody tell me that I didn't put myself through that ordeal and pain in vain because here I am now over six years I've cured my eczema I have no Mm. eczema anymore my eczema has vanished I have the best skin I've had in my entire life so I had always been a really, really bad eczema sufferer. I mean, it had stopped me from doing things at school, like, mm. you know, pee and swimming and oh, lots goodness. of things that mm. affected it. But, um, yeah, it was um, a hugely physical and mental endurance test. And never having that break. I think what was the hardest thing was there was never a break from the pain. I literally just felt like I had been set on fire. I couldn't sleep mm. I to get sleep I had to I basically had to be in the bath and then my mum would help me get into the bed but I had to have bed sheets at a certain place because I, I couldn't wear clothes I didn't wear clothes for months because I couldn't even have anything on my yes. body I couldn't go outdoors because even just the feel of air or wind on my skin was Mm. torturous it was torturous and I would just howl I would scream and I my skin would ooze endlessly so I had this like yellow liquid just pouring from every crevice endlessly Mm. and it would drip and it smelled almost metallic and that smell will I think haunt me until my days are over so I mean it changed it changed me changed my life really changed my perspective and outlook Mm. on everything and I think the hardest thing I find now is I I've always said to people that I could turn it into a full-time job communicating with fellow sufferers now why the amount of people that reach out help because this is not recognized by the medical institution I could turn it into a full-time job it's so difficult because it makes you feel not not even unheard that doesn't even cover it but not it's almost it feels as if it's not legitimate and yet here you are knowing full well that this is a real thing it exists and you're experiencing it and it's horrendous and to be told that you know it doesn't exist and what you need to do is the opposite of what you what you Mm -hmm. know is the right thing I mean that is so difficult I mean I definitely wanted to speak to you from knowing about your experiences how difficult they'd been but also from the physical health and the mental health because it's so difficult when you are physically unwell managing how you're feeling in your emotions because you know you would have been in survival mode and just getting through the day and that was all that your focus you know I'm guessing could have been on but 
it's incredibly difficult. And then to be told as well that the medical profession aren't going to help you, I can't even imagine how sort of isolating that would be and devastating, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it was incredibly isolating because whilst it wasn't a known condition, I don't think a lot of friends really understood it either. Mm. Why would they? Lots of people mm. haven't heard this. I would go to... I would be due to go to a hen dinner. I'd have to say to my friends, like, I can't go. My skin is too bad. Mm. And you could almost hear this kind of, oh, in their voice, mm. almost this kind of non-acceptance of it or feeling like you were mm. kind of bailing out of situations when, you know, if anyone knows me, I'm the first to a party. <laughs> you know, I love, <laughs> I love to live life, you know. Mm. Um, so for me, I, I just, a year of my life was cancelled, really. Well, it was quite a few sections because recovery came and went and my skin healed and it would flare mm. again so mm. it really went in phases my healing but it was incredibly isolating and like I said had I not had that group of support from yeah. fellow sufferers online yeah. mm. I don't know how I would have got through it I don't know how I'd have got through it without my mum and I don't know how I would have got through it without my husband as well right. but right. It was very tough going from, you know, I just bought my first flat in London. Mm. You know, I'd say really hard, but really, really hard for it. And then all of a sudden, the financial pressure I lost. Oh, I was yeah. in the midst of producing a big campaign for a big global brand for their big Christmas campaign. I was booked on it for another two, three months contract. I was freelance at the time. Mm. And being a freelancer as well, I had no sick pay. I had no mm. cover. Mm. So financially, it was hugely detrimental to me as well and I was not mm. entitled to any support either so it was hard it was hard it was really really hard I say I feel like I had a lot of time robbed I did I did mm. have a lot of time robbed but mm. if I spend too much time thinking and dwelling on that it's mm. not gonna help me helpful. so I just look at the changes the positive changes I could make to my life mm, off absolutely. the back of suffering it absolutely I fully support what you're saying there because dwelling in how it has been when you're not there now is really difficult and you've been through this really traumatic experience that it takes time to process you know we can't feel better and then instantly feel better and on an emotional sense as well it takes time to be okay with that and feel comfortable with it it doesn't sound like the kind of thing that anyone would be able to necessarily be at peace with because it was so traumatic of course it feels like that I I can fully sort of empathize with that so I wonder you mentioned already a couple of things there that really was supportive and I really love what you said about the community there because lots of people can be quite hard on social media or down on the impact that social media has on us but there is also this flip side about the community that it provides us that you would not have access to otherwise and what you were saying there is is some of the things that were most supportive to you were the people around you was your support network around you so your mum and your husband Simon and this support group where you could speak to other people who were going through what you were going through and so that was the emotional support bubble that you had around you at the time. Yeah incredibly so my mum bless her she has a small one-bed flat and she worked full-time at the time and like I said she had about hours reduced to care hours and she'd let me have her bed for when I did go into the bed or mm. and she would sleep on two sofa cushions on the floor every oh. night and my mum didn't sleep she didn't sleep at all because I was either in the bath or I was screaming 
um mm. and I'll you know I'll never be able to repay my mum for looking after me the way she did I kind of I couldn't stay in our flat in London we had a tiny cubicle shower at the right. time and I used to sit over the plug hole and be able mm. to get about four inches of water mm. and that would be my saviour and we were sharing living in a basement flat at the time and we used to have to say to the people that lived above us can you please put the heating on just to get some hot water because I used to control the heating right. because of how the house was split out and it was so I had no choice but to go to my mum's really because my because my skin was endlessly oh, I still find it quite hard to talk about I feel like mm, it's of course we had to hoover the house at least five times a day at least five times a day you could literally get a broom and scoop piles of skin mm, off yeah. everywhere every mm. surface would be covered mm. endlessly my skin was just regenerating and just falling and then this ooze and this mm. liquid and so for my mum to be there cleaning up and clearing up my skin my husband my husband mm. to be there as well it's a very um for me it felt like a very undignified illness as well because yeah. I just felt you couldn't have that physically mm. no no mm. not not at all and the, I think the thing is is because like I said it's not a known condition and the dermatologist just I mean I felt like I was laughed at. I'm you know I educate myself I'm an educated person mm. I spend time with I wouldn't go into this mm. lightheartedly at all there was no way I would put myself through this without doing there's no way and so that sort of thing so the second you enter it into this illness and you know that you're not going to get any support that fellow topical steroid withdrawal network of people mm-hmm. they're like this instant family they're like this instant crutch to lean mm. on and to lift you up and you can go online and you know somebody in the world is suffering or feeling what you're feeling there's mm. always someone to talk to mm-hmm. always someone to reach out to and there's this wonderful wonderful woman called Brianna who lives in America and I commend her so highly because when the height of her illness, she took it upon herself to create a documentary on this wow. illness. And she travelled from the US to the UK to Japan to India, speaking to dermatologists, doctors, fellow sufferers, whilst incredibly ill. And she compiled the most insightful documentary, documenting our condition, documenting real-life case studies. Mm. And she brought us all together. And we all managed to get together. We all got to sit there in a room like, those that were a part of it and hug each other and talk and there would be TSW network meetups in London at the time and Mm. there's a somberness to it because in the early days previously I was a TV producer I'd actually thought about doing a documentary myself right and I set out questionnaires to people because I was documenting how they felt etc and every single person came back to me said they felt suicidal every single person and I know that because I felt the same yeah. during it. I was very, very close one day to ending it all. It was a time when for the first six months of my illness, I was completely bed and bath mm. I, I mm. couldn't do anything. I was so poorly. And then all of a sudden it seemed to get better. Mm. And I thought I was healed. And I thought, oh, six months. Right. And then after that six months out of nowhere it just fled and it just came back because the skin has to learn to be skin again and almost that second time it it was just my face and my neck Mm. more that time but because it was so physical 
And because the pain was so there, I mean, I used to, I had to take a job again because financially I couldn't afford not to. So I used to get mm. up at 4 or 5 a.m. every morning, get in the bath, soak it for mm. as long as I could to physically build up that mental strength to go to an office. I was freelance. I was working with a lot of people that didn't know me. Right. And I was sat in absolute agony. I just cannot, like I said, I just had this internal audible screaming endlessly. And I was like tapping on my laptop, typing up this job I was working on. And there was just this liquid, this ooze pouring from my face, dripping onto my laptop. And I just kept thinking, I don't have to do this. I could just literally walk out in Mm. front of a tube now Mm. and it could be over. And I remember having this really haunting walk after work that evening to the tube. And all I could hear in my head was, you can end this now, you can end this now, you can end this now. This can be Mm. over, this can be over. Mm. And I felt like that was the only way out. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you felt so No, I mean, honestly, I mean, this was, this was, um, you know, come out of it now and yeah, I'm you know on the other side yeah. uh, I'm healed uh, I have the most the best skin I've had in my life so yeah. I have been through it but yeah I mean sorry going back to the <laughs> support network though it was mm. um and for those that don't have it around I you know I take I just want to hold them all and help and yeah. raise everyone yeah absolutely there's something really interesting about experiencing something that is so difficult and so traumatic that it gives you a sense of purpose and wanting to connect with other people who are having a really difficult time so that you can you can kind of find hope or let them know that there is hope I wonder whether there were any other things as well because I can see that the support network was critical to finding hope and also your specific support from Simon and from your mom were there any other things as well that gave you a little bit of hope a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel that come to mind when we're thinking about all of this seeing stories and pictures of people that had healed yeah that was my my biggest inspiration seeing Mm. photos images of people because when you're you basically develop what we call elephant skin Right. So your skin becomes incredibly thick and wrinkled and you look like you've aged by about 50 years. I mean, these big rolls of skin over your joints, Mm. it's really very uncomfortable, very, it feels very alien to you. And when you're living in that kind of condition, you don't really see, you can't really imagine your skin ever going back to normal. Right. People forget that skin's an organ. It's your largest organ. And when you're going through something, your basic organs are failing because your skin's not functioning. It doesn't know how Mm. to be skin because it's been so reliant on the drugs for years. And so actually seeing people that had been through it and had healed was by far the biggest source of inspiration and the biggest source of hope for anyone suffering. Mm. So I think it feels really essential in terms of healing and feeling better to have something hopeful. And in terms of research and things about recovery from mental health, physical health, hope seems really, really essential. And and it sounds as though for you, it was just a critical part of your journey. I mean, what would your advice be to someone who's feeling really low and really struggling with their physical health? Like, how do you how do you support your 
mental health in that circumstance because it's quite different when you're going through both at the same time yeah one of the one of the main things that helped me was I started a lot of meditation so I really just started to try there was an app called DigiPill mm-hmm. and there's one that was very much focused and centered around pain okay so that was the only kind of relief that I could feel was actually just trying to feel myself get out of my body really yeah amazing music uplifts me I think Mm. music touch you deep in your soul like a lot Mm. of so I spent a lot of time listening to music songs that with the lyrics that may have resonated with how I was feeling at that time I watched I spent a lot of time watching documentaries and about things you know I had that time while I was healing to actually study and look at things that I maybe had not thought about for a long time or you know subjects that I wanted to broaden my knowledge on and Mm. really kind of delve into and look into various different subjects so for me it was just about keeping distraction distraction feeling so low mentally and physically it was about distraction and trying to take away that kind of do what I could to take the pain away as best as I could yeah yeah I think you're so right there because there's something really important about not trying to get through the week you know that you're just trying to get through today you're just trying to get through this hour this minute this 10 minutes whatever it might be and being really really gentle with yourself about that when you're having a really hard time and and that actually it's okay to just focus on you know the next three minutes and how you can make that easier and then do the bit after that and making it as simple and kind as it possibly can be because physical pain like physical pain really does put us under an immense amount of mental pressure and it can be so so difficult if you feel you know that you have too much to get through and so something about breaking it down maybe and and I fully agree with you that that is something that I lean on when I'm feeling low and obviously you know I can't relate to such a traumatic physical experience as as what you've been through but you know, from feelings of, of being very low, that actually distraction and, and losing myself in, in another story and someone else's story or losing myself in, in a film really supports me to just have a break from my own life for a certain amount of time and just be yeah. mentally sort of in a different space for a little bit. Yeah, I really love that because it's really simple and it's really achievable and and very possible even if you're feeling really physically uncomfortable that you could you could still have some music on or you could have something that begins to just give you some little boost from where you're where you're at. So I really yeah. love that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, obviously things started to get better and you started to feel better and that must have felt so hopeful when you had periods of time where you were feeling better but I imagine also quite scary because you didn't know and you don't know when you know you're going to have a relapse of some kind that's that I think that's the hardest thing is that it would go up and down and up and down um relentlessly Mm. and those glimmers of hope when I felt well yeah were glorious and I would go and live each day and almost yeah Oh, completely. And then the hardest thing would be was waking up the next day. And it would often start with a small patch. So I'd wash my face in the shower or something, and then I could feel like a small kind of raised lump on my chin. And then all of a sudden it would spread and it'd be like the whole of my chin. And then it would be under my eyes and over my eyes and down my neck, the back of my neck. 
Mm. And it was spread like wildfire within about 24, 48 hours. And it's like, okay, I'm in the flare. My last one happened. I woke last. I haven't had a flare now, touch wood, since for a year. So it's, it's getting gradually more better. Good. But I woke up one day and I, I just couldn't open my eyes. They were mm. swollen shut. Mm. And just whilst it's like something is just not where it's just not fully healed something and we don't no one knows what triggers it no one knows who thought about this is it allergies is it but there's no rhyme or reason it's the same with all sufferers you cannot pinpoint okay. why these flares come back nobody knows mm. even the dermatologists who are huge advocates for topical steroid drawers started there have had hundreds of patients Nobody really knows where you get these flares back. I guess it's just time. The body is still healing, probably memory. Mm. Mm. I, don't, I don't know, but none mm. of us know, sadly. And every time it would come back, it was like somebody flipped the switch on me and mm. I just wanted to go to bed. And I just wanted to curl up and not see the day. And before having my son, I, that's what I would do. <laughs> like sometimes when I could, you know, my business, so I could work from my bed. And if I didn't want to see anyone, didn't have to see anyone. And I think the post-traumatic stress side of this right. illness, the anxiety that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Like I said this morning, I can feel now I've got a really slight rash on my face. It's just a rash. This mm-hmm. this feels like a rash because mm-hmm. I can touch it. It feels like a rash. I don't feel like I'm burning. It doesn't feel like with TSW it feels like it goes right into the bone right and this is just like a normal rash but you just touch your face and then all of a sudden it's almost like you can hear those little memories of that internal screaming and that Mm. kind of that ooze and that Mm. peeling and that burning and that feeling trapped yeah and you'll sometimes still hear those shudders and those moments of yeah things but you know those days that you do start to get better and all of a sudden those kind of periods of going get being better are longer than the yeah. periods of it being awful yeah. and then all of a sudden and then your flares will come and they're not as severe as they were maybe the month before or the mm. six months before and you just gradually start seeing an improvement until you mm. can be like okay and it's it's hard I hate using the word healed because you know I feel like I am but I don't you know I don't want to give myself whilst I have hope I don't want to give myself false hope because yeah. I just want to know but I know I'm on a journey and I know that yeah. my journey is is positive now yeah and absolutely. I'm definitely on a yeah out of the worst of it absolutely and you're you know you're well by comparison to how you've been at mm. times and that's something to be grateful for every day you know something to be absolutely. positive and upbeat about I'm absolutely in awe of you and I'm so grateful for sharing this because it's really such a difficult thing and like you were saying with the experience of going through this and and the post-traumatic stress that it leaves you with as well is so significant it's just really important that this information gets out there for people and also knowing that you're not on your own if you're going through some chronic pain that you know that there is hope and there are small little windows of of light or something positive and kind of about holding on to those in whatever way you can really and those small bits of of hope and the journey and progression that you've got these peaks and troughs but hopefully the middle you know the general how you are most of the time is gradually moving closer and closer to a place where you feel better and you feel well and you feel good and that's something to be really really hopeful about I really love that so thank you thank you for sharing no you're welcome no worries 
I know that what you've been through is now sort of critical to, to what you're doing now, because it's something really interesting to me is that when people get to a very, very low point, it sort of shifts their perspective. And you spoke about that right at the beginning about how it shifts everything for you. So tell us a little bit about where it's now taken you and, and how that shift in perspective has happened for you. Yeah, I think, you know, I went into topical steroid withdrawal as a TV producer. I used to produce TV commercials for a lot of big household name brands. And almost being in that bathtub, I almost fell off as long as I can't call it the bathtub diaries <laughs> for those months and months on end. And suffering something, being an iatrogenic condition, it makes you question a lot of things you, I question everything now and I didn't like the industry I was in I didn't mm. like working in advertising anymore right. didn't want to because I knew I spent a lot of the time working on I could be working on fashion brands or fashion labels or I could be asked to work on like dairy brand ice cream but you know just lots of brands and during that time in bathroom because I just spent a lot of time watching documentaries learned a lot about fast fashion and just the atrocities behind the labor the lack of pay the the Mm -hmm. damage that the fashion industry is doing globally like in terms of you know the amount of fashion that's being sent to landfill but the one thing that I really honed in on is I've always been really into my animal welfare I've been vegetarian for the majority of my life and during my illness I actually decided to go vegan Mm. it was purely because I've been watching a lot of documentaries around suffering with animals I've watched documentaries like Cowspiracy but one subject that I really looked into as well was the production of leather right. and I just felt because I had this whole new affinity with skin I said really thought having felt the pain of losing my own skin mm. I just couldn't wear the skin of another being again skin right. to me felt really different and personal and mm. I just couldn't imagine something being tortured for their skin or suffering. And I'd been through so much pain myself that I just didn't want anything that came near me or anything that went in me to have ever suffered. And it just felt like this almost spiritual awakening, I guess. Having a respect for other beings, no matter what being they were, having that respect. And for me, for my soul, I just don't want anything to myself. So I had to return to work. I knew I wanted to do something different, but I didn't know what it was. I had to return financially. And then an old watch strap broke. I looked high and low for a cruelty-free vegan replacement and couldn't find one. So I decided to create a vegan watch brand called Botch. And we give back. So we donate 10% of our profits to a different charity every three months. We work with, now we're four and a half years old, we work with a lot of innovative, sustainable materials, utilising bio-waste. So we're working with apple skin at the moment, which is a material that is kind of durable and resembles traditional animal-based leather, but it utilises waste from the apple juice harvest in northern Italy. We also work with Pinatex, a byproduct from the pineapple harvest in the Philippines. So we're working with a lot of new innovative materials that are obviously kind to animals because there's no animals and kind to our planet too. So yeah, we just released an accessories line as well and it, it means we can give back. So we donate a large amount of our profits back to different charities. And yeah, it's been a huge, huge change. Have I had, I've never been through my illness. I wouldn't have this company and this business now. Yeah, I would never have somebody said to me five, six years ago, you're going to be running a, a watch brand watch company I am um, don't think I would have believed it that's not the way I ever thought <laughs> no. I would 
I would do. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I run the business with my husband, Simon, now. And we have a, a team of amazing, amazing staff that help us and support us. And, yeah, we're on KCK with growing month on month. And it has been a platform where I've also really been able to share and tell my story and raise, right. raise awareness. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, I became a mum. Yeah. almost three years ago now yeah. as well yeah Amali my little uh, <laughs> shining light <laughs> yeah. but also it's helped me educate mums because obviously my mum applied came to me as a young baby and that's how yeah. I kind of got into that so I've really been able to help and talk talk to other mums about mm-hmm. this condition and yeah. to really kind of help them find more alternative ways which is to- amazing really to be able to turn your pain into purpose you know turn your really difficult experience into something transformational really and having such a ripple effect because it's putting all of that information out there and it's putting awareness out there to people so that they know that why you do what you do I think there are so many more people who want to support vegan brands you know it's something now that people look for that a brand is ecological that there there are various things that that people want to find and it's just amazing that this really difficult painful traumatic experience could become a force for good and something really positive yeah. and something that you can also then give back to all these amazing charities that you really care about as well that it just feels really inspiring to me that something so amazing and a gorgeous situation that's growing can come out of, of something so difficult and so painful. And that fills me with lots of hope, actually, you know, just knowing that it could be something really positive for you. So thank you. Thank you so much no, for sharing all no, of that with welcome. us. No worries. I really, really thank you for having me. Oh, no, absolutely. And I really hope it can give people some support if they're going through a really difficult time, you know, physically and the the sort of mental health side of dealing with physical pain as well. I think sometimes in life we can be thrown into the deepest, darkest of situations, but, you know, we're still in it. We're still living. And there's, I think, really sometimes if we want to get out of it, looking at how we can use that to grow and to change and use it in a positive spin and how we can transform our lives from it is sometimes just a a driving force to get you out of that dark place alone right right and yeah I completely agree with what you're saying there that it's somebody shared a quote with me the other day about sometimes it feels like you've you've been buried but actually you've been planted and it's using that energy Mm. isn't it that you so true you're in a really difficult spot right it's a really beautiful idea that you're in such a difficult spot but actually maybe this is your time to be in that space of change and growth and Mm -hmm. transformation and be really nurtured and really look after yourself as much as you can because mm-hmm. you know, you're the person that can give you the best support you know better than anybody else even uh, you know I, I know that your mum gave you huge amounts of support mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't neglect that at all but I mean in terms of mental support the best support you know better than anyone what what you need and and I think that yeah it's about being kind to yourself and your journey ultimately is about compassion isn't it and it's it's compassion mm-hmm. and kindness to yourself and other beings regardless of of their sort of hierarchy on the planet uh, uh, you know that they're all just as important as as we are and deserve the kind of respect and compassion and kindness and I just 
I absolutely love that. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, absolutely. What's the best way that people can connect with you if they want to connect up with you and hear more about your story and what you're doing? How can they do that? Yeah, sure. You can um, find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle's at Stagey, <laughs> S-T-A-G-E-Y. <laughs> and uh, also you can follow us at Votch Watch as well, um, which is, yeah, Votch Watch. vegan watch literally yeah love it I really love it thank you so much Laura Um, no worries thank you I really appreciate it I think it's been really really helpful so thank you thank you no thank you for having me welcome (laughs) it's lovely to talk I'm so grateful to Laura for sharing her story and I think this is a subject that is not necessarily explored as much as it should be about the mental health journey that happens alongside a physical health journey and it's really important that we give a space for that here as well. Today's episode is the penultimate episode in this series so we will have one more coming next week on Friday and then I'm actually going to be taking a break for a couple of weeks. However we'll be back with two new episodes to kick off series two and I am so excited to share with you some of the incredible stories that are coming your way. I've also got a couple of really exciting announcements at the end of next week's episode so listen out because there's some really good news coming too. I really hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I feel that it's been a really special one and otherwise take really good care and you'll hear from me soon.